You're listening to the Future Tech Health Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Until I reached age 40, I never realized the obvious, that we all have medical issues, or we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials or even starting to appear on shelves or by prescription or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoy the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health podcast. I have Rachel Hill. Uh, she's the author of uh, Be Your Own Thyroid Advocate, uh, co-authoring as well, providing the forward for the 30-Minute Thyroid Cookbook. Uh, she's an award-winning thyroid patient advocate, writer, and author. She received six uh, Wago Health Award nominations in 2018. Uh, is ranked highly on a lot of uh, hypothyroidism websites as well. So, um, Rachel, thanks for coming. How are you doing? Um, well, thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so uh, tell me about uh, your battles, I guess, with your own thyroid. You know, you wouldn't probably be in this uh, in this area if you didn't have your own issues. So, you know, if you don't mind, <laughs> what, what's happened with your thyroid? Uh, yes, yeah, so um, essentially, um, I was eventually diagnosed with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's, which is the autoimmune disease, um, after several years of having symptoms of thyroid disease. And they just kind of mounted up with no real explanation over about five years or so. So um, I was eventually diagnosed at 20 years old, um, by which point I was quite relieved, but also a bit worried, confused, frustrated and overwhelmed. So I uh, set up the Invisible Hypothyroidism um, and started blogging as a way of dealing with that and recording my experiences as a thyroid patient looking to reclaim my health. Um, with the mission of letting others know that they weren't alone in experiencing um, what we experienced with thyroid disease too. So through that, I've been able to to build quite a strong side community of people to empower, support and encourage one another to live a good quality of life despite having a thyroid condition. And my main message is to be your own thyroid advocate, um, which is the tagline for my website and my book, um, which really means to learn to advocate for your health um, and to understand what the health condition means and what it means to become an active participant in your own healthcare. So um, through being diagnosed with a thyroid condition myself and uh, getting quite unwell with it, I've attempted to turn that into something um, quite positive and therapeutic, I guess, um, through using the medium of writing and advocating for other thyroid patients. So if you don't have a thyroid, are you allowed to uh, to join your groups and and talk to everyone, or is there a low yeah. thyroid versus no thyroid uh, battle going on? <laughs> um, well, if you don't have a thyroid gland, whether um, that's because you've been born without one, or if you've had it surgically removed because you have thyroid cancer, or even hyperthyroidism, which, you know, which is an overactive thyroid gland, 
and then generally it means that you get diagnosed with hypothyroidism anyway um so there are various ways um that you can get diagnosed with hypothyroidism and sort of lead on to that diagnosis and um, so in terms of what i do under the invisible hypothyroidism it aims to cover anyone who you know, gets to that point of being diagnosed with it like i say whether that's through autoimmune disease um therapy cancer ablation or any of those other routes towards it really yeah i, I had uh thyroid cancer and so no more thyroid for me unfortunately i'm hoping to get a 3d printed one back maybe in 10 or 20 years but uh in the meantime <laughs> i'm on uh you know thyroid replacement hormone as i'm sure a lot of people are so yeah yeah um, so what what are um what were the symptoms for you and what are you know i'm sure you speak to a lot of people that have it what are the i know every person is different but what are the symptoms that someone may have that causes them to uh when they have hypothyroidism, what do they experience in general? Yeah, um, so when you have low thyroid hormone levels, um, the results can be f- quite far-reaching. Um, I like to say that it can affect everything from the you know the, the top of your head to the tip of your toes. Um, thyroid hormone is required for every cell and every function within the body. So when you don't have enough, it can affect all sorts, and that can include uh, skin complaints such as dry skin, tight skin, uh, eczema, acne. Um, you can have hair loss, uh, bags under the eyes, um, the most complained about symptoms tend to be a really heavy fatigue um, that just doesn't seem to be improved with sleep or rest, um, muscle aches and pains, joint pain, um, sort of poor nail growth, brittle hair. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it can affect everything. Um, a lot of people even have digestive digest, digestive issues, um, including things like constipation or diarrhea. Um, yeah, um, having a swollen tongue can even be a symptom. Um, so all sorts. Um, can be affected when you have low thyroid hormone levels in the form of hypothyroidism and for me the main symptoms were that heavy fatigue that just seemed to get worse as time went on um, I had muscle pain joint pain um, my legs would cramp at night which would wake me up and it was uh, really painful um, I started getting migraines as a late teenager and they just increased in frequency along with my uh, periods becoming more irregular um, and going from heavy to light and just kind of going all over the place um, so really, if there's anything off in your body, um, in particular, a slowing down of functions, such as feeling tired or experiencing constipation or hair loss, things like that, and then they can be signs of hypothyroidism. And it's always worth getting yourself checked out. I mean, these conditions, the thyroid conditions are quite common um, and we think a lot of people are going misdiagnosed as well. So it's always worth getting checked out if you experience any of those symptoms. Yeah, and it seems like um, I've noticed, I mean, I'm just one person, but it seems like for some reason women are affected much more than men and even the doctors and the surgeons and the healthcare practitioners in the field all seem to be women. It's just very strange. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it's something like for every man, there's like nine or 10 women um, that are diagnosed with a thyroid condition. Um, and I think that that probably just bottles down to the fact that it's, it's a, it's a hormonal condition. It's a hormonal imbalance. Um, and as women, when we experience things um, like, um, you know, puberty with the onset of periods or uh, pregnancy, birth, even pregnancy loss, uh, the menopause, perimenopause, um, with those hormonal fluctuations, um, it can, yeah, I think it, it makes sense that it can then lead on to other hormonal imbalances as they're all so delicately um, intertwined and kind of work together in one system. So um, I've also spoken to a bunch of women that, you know, they seem to be experiencing uh, low thyroid or Hashimoto's, but the doctors are not uh, too helpful. You know, they'll get a um, a reading of the, their TSH or other 
you know, thyroid hormones and it may be quote unquote in range, but low yeah. or high. And the person's experiencing all kinds of stuff. And the doctor says, Oh, you're in range. You're fine. You know, or there's nothing mm-hmm. wrong with you. You're crazy. So hopefully you haven't experienced that, but, um, I don't know if that's common over in the UK. It seems to be in the U S very common, but what do, uh, uh, what do women do if, if what people do if that they experience that from the doctors? Uh, yeah, yeah. I was one of those people, unfortunately. Um, it is really common. Um, a lot of people take a while to get that um, eventual diagnosis and get started on medication or treatment. Um, and a lot of that is is due to these sort of wide reference ranges that are used and they can, they differ from lab to lab, but also country to country. Um, I mean, I know in the US, typically a range of sort of 0.5 to say five ish tends to be used over there um and if you fall just outside or just inside of those you can be diagnosed with borderline hypothyroidism and it's at the discretion of the of the doctor that you see um whether you're then trialed on thyroid hormone replacement to see if that helps over here in the uk that range can go up to as high as 10 um, and that is unfortunately what my doctor is using so when my TSH was up to like nine, nine point six or something like that, I was still technically within range, and so I was diagnosed with borderline hypothyroidism. But my symptoms did not feel borderline at all. Um, I was incredibly unwell. Um, I was missing a lot of work. I was attending sort of one day a week um, for quite a while. Um, my mental health was devastated. Um, my my now husband at the time was my boyfriend. He was having to help me up and down the stairs help me get dressed and showered and go to the toilet and things like that um it can be quite the journey getting um that eventual diagnosis and, and treatment um, and thankfully when a lot of people get to that point um they they do tend to start to see um improvement with time but um yeah there, there is a lack of of consistency um in terms of how people get diagnosed and like i say it doesn't just differ, differ from country to country but it can differ from lab to lab so depending on what lab uh, your doctor or that particular surgery or office uses as well so it can be quite frustrating well what do you do if uh medical practitioners uh you know don't seem to care and uh just tell people they're crazy what, what kind of things you know i know you you know you're not a doctor yourself but what can you recommend what do people do if they're experiencing this frustration they know something's wrong but doctors are telling them they're crazy or they're fine well, I think this is where it's important to um, embrace being your ho- own health advocate, which is, you know, what I encourage everyone to do. Um, if you can obtain uh, printed copies of your test results or whether they're available online to you, I know that can differ from doctor's surgery to surgery as well. Um, so sort of getting copies of those, understanding what they mean. Um, a lot of the time, uh, you know, different doctors use these wide ranges. Um, but what we tend to feel best at can be quite different. So within sort of progressive and, and functional medicine, we refer to these as, as optimal ranges or optimal results. Um, so whether a range for, for example, um, your TSH could be 0.5 to 10, um, an optimal place within range might be 0.5 to 2. So it's it's a much slimmer place to fall. But what that means is that a lot of people feel a lot better within that narrower range that's where they feel most well and so understanding things like that um looking at your test results and understanding whether actually you may fall in range um, and that might be why a doctor is, is dismissing you when you're concerned but actually if you're able to get yourself within optimal place within range you could feel a lot better and through just just simply knowing that knowledge it means you can take that to another doctor or another medical professional 
and you don't have to just stick with the same type of medical professional either and um, obviously conventional medicine is great and it works for so many things and so many conditions and diseases but talking to a lot of thyroid patients and in my own experience as well a lot of us seem to find um you know improved success with functional medicine practitioners or doctors um naturopathic doctors you know more sort of alternative medicine as well that can work in partnership um with you in your health to um really narrow these these ranges and to look at you as a, as an individual and form a more individualized treatment plan instead of subjecting everyone to the same the same ranges and the same treatment i think that's what's important i think we we need to be looking at our patients as the individuals that they are um, and by learning to advocate for your own health by learning to understand what your test results mean and what what you know what is okay and what's not and where you can actually better your health through just understanding that information um you, people are often able to then use that to find or you know try different types of uh, medical practitioners until they find the one that works for them to get their health back on track um, and I think that's really important to empower yourself with the knowledge to then, you know, go into the, the correct practitioner's office in order to get your health back on track. What about the tests themselves? I mean, you could have this TSH, or you could have TSH, free T4, T3, reverse T3, T2, you know, thyroid antibodies, one and two. I mean, there's. what do you recommend that uh, someone gets if they suspect they may have Hashimoto's or they may have, you know, the thyroid symptoms every test you can or which ones um yeah i mean i think i think it goes without saying that the more comprehensive testing you can do the better handle you're going to have on your thyroid health um and your doctor or chosen practitioner um that you choose to go through that with um tsh which is most often tested and often considered to be the gold standard of thyroid testing um that gives us an insight or an idea of what's going on with our thyroid health but as it's a pituitary hormone and not a thyroid hormone um, it, it is just that it gives an indication um, a full thyroid panel consists of the other tests that you mentioned just then so your free T3, free T4, reverse T3, um, thyroid peroxidase antibodies and thyroid globulin antibodies um, all of those tests form the full thyroid panel and if we can monitor as, as many of those as possible um, then that gives us the best chance of you know getting back on top of our health and understanding things going forward in terms of hypothyroidism, um, TSH, 3T3, 3T4 or inverse T3 tend to be used. And if you're looking at diagnosing Hashimoto's or even monitoring how Hashimoto's is doing, then that's when you'd need those two antibodies, um, thyroperoxidase and thyroglobulin. Um, so typically results over range on those two tests um, would diagnose Hashimoto's. Although, you know, apparently some people still don't come up positive on those, even though they could have it. Um, so it's, it's important to try and monitor all of those tests um, every time. And yeah, if you can get um, keep records of those tests as well, it makes it easy to, to go back and compare them um, and link how you're feeling, such as symptoms or improvements or dips in your health with those tests so that you can figure out um, with your doctor or your practitioner where your, where your optimal places are in range as well. So uh, are most doctors willing to run that suite of tests or do you have to find the right one that's willing to do that? Do they block you even at that stage? Um, it differs hugely from sort of doctor to doctor, but I think also by country quite a lot as well. So here in the UK, TSH is the standard and it's incredibly hard and it's getting more difficult um, to get a doctor on the NHS anyway to, um, to test anything else. 
I'm lucky enough that I get my free T3 and free T4 tested with my TSH every six months as standard anyway. But that has been through, um, you know, educating myself and learning to advocate and go into the, the doctor's office clued up and essentially to put my foot down and say what I want and give a reason why and have the doctor, you know, actually agree with me and back me on that. Um, in terms of the US, um, again, TSH is seen as that gold standard. It seems, talking to the thorough patients, that your free T3 and T4 and the antibodies are tested a bit more regularly. But um, again, similar to over here in the UK, it's, it doesn't seem to be the norm. Um, and so whether that means trying a different doctor or a different type of practitioner um, to get those tested, or whether it means ordering your own labs, which a lot of people are doing now, um, there's a lot of services online where you can order your own test results and they're completely they're completely real, they're completely legitimate. Um, you can you know get your blood taken whether it's through a finger prick at home or you attend one of these centres um, and you can then receive your results online um, within a couple of days of sending it back and that's very easy that's another option um, if if your doctor doesn't run those additional tests for whatever reason um, and you can take those into your doctor as well and they'll be fully recognised and they can be added to your um, you know medical record medical history as well so if if, if you're finding that your your doctor isn't running those tests by default, and then there are other options such as you know again looking at finding a different type of practitioner that might work better for you in your case, or utilising those online services that offer them as well. Uh, what about the uh, medication itself? You know, Synthroid is the king. It's T4 only. Even there, a lot of doctors are oh, Synthroid is the only fine one. You know, Armour is no good. Uh, you know, natural thyroid's no good, WP's no good, you know, because it mixes, you don't need it. So for listeners, you know, Synthroid's just T4. There are other medications that are mixtures of T4 and T3, even T2. Um, any experience with those? And what do you, what uh, are you talking yeah. about? Yeah, so um, I started after being diagnosed with borderline hypothyroidism. Um, I was I was withheld medication for a while longer and then eventually started on T4 only levothyroxine. Um, which again is the only thing that's really prescribed over here, certainly 99% of the time anyway. Um, I was on that for six months and my health was uh, rapidly declining. Um, it was quite scary. I was a 21-year-old that was practically disabled. Um, and it was very frustrating because the doctors didn't seem to believe me when I said that I didn't feel that this medication was really helping. Um, eventually, I started on an NDT medication, so that's natural desiccated thyroid. Um, and that is essentially made from porcine, so pig thyroid gland. Um, and this is the sort of natural thyroid extracts that we talk about. This contains uh, natural forms of thyroid hormones instead of the synthetic ones in T4. Um, so this includes T1, T2, 3, 4, and often calcitonin as well, uh, which is essentially what your own thyroid gland would be making if it was healthy. And um, uh, uh, some people feel better or do better on this when C4 only medication doesn't work for them because it provides um, that full spectrum of thyroid hormones. Um, any, you know, in theory, T4 should work. Um, you put it in and the body converts some of it to that T3, the active form of thyroid hormone that we also need. Um, and for a lot of people, this does work absolutely fine. There's no doubt about that. But for some people, they do need that direct T3 too. And whether that is by taking a an NDT medication like what I take that gives you that direct T3, or whether, again, there is another type of um, thyroid medication, which is synthetic T3, you can add that to your synthetic T4 as well um, and get the direct T3 that way too. 
So um, there are various sort of combinations and ways that um, um, that we can be prescribed medication um, and that we can, you know, get better with um, thyroid disease. But um, I, yeah, I think it, it really, again, it has to be individualised. Um, as with anything, no one is completely the same. We don't all respond to stuff completely, completely the, the same. Um, and I'm one of the many people that unfortunately didn't do well on T4 medication. Um, I don't know about yourself. Um, but yeah, there, there's, there are a lot of us out there that don't do well on that medication and we need those other options available to us. Yeah, for me, the T, T4 works fine, but um, you know, I'd rather be as optimal as possible. And I've been searching for uh, you know, other medications and other practitioners. And I found a few that will recommend, that have recommended uh, you know, different ones, but uh, one told me that uh, compounded versions, you have to be careful because they may not be compounded properly. Um, you know, another said, well, if you go on this one, uh, uh, you know, it may not be standardized, which doesn't seem to be true. It seems like they have to be standardized. Otherwise, how could they avail, you know, offer the medication? You know, yeah, then I've yeah. read that uh, your T4 to T3 conversion fraction, which happens in your stomach, it seems, uh, you know, that's modulated by your microbiome and what you eat. So yeah. I'm actually at the point where I'm ready to go from T4 to, you know, a mixture, but, uh, I worry about the transition because you know, there's part of the "if it ain't broke, don't fix it" mentality. So, uh, any experience there with uh, with people that have gone from T4 to the mixture and what happened to them and what to look for? Um, oh, <laughs> um, I think for me, um, when I was on T4 only medication, being levothyroxine, um, I just knew that it wasn't working. Um, I think if that worked absolutely fine for me then I would have just stuck with it like you say if, if something's not broken um, don't try to fix it um, I think some people some people make a change to adding synthetic T3 30 or they take an NDT or compounded NDT um, and they feel worse on it um, I think all we're all we're all made up differently our bodies work differently um, and so it, it really depends on you as the individual um, Speaking to the thyroid patients that I do in my community, there are people that have been on T4 and that they feel absolutely fine and they've you know, never wanted to try anything else because they just don't need to. There are people who feel well on that for so long and then they start to feel unwell, um, add some T3 in and they feel great again. There are others who um, feel okay on T4, add that T3 in out of curiosity, I, I guess almost like yourself, and then they feel worse for it and they go back to T4 and they feel better again. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... It, it's, it's really individualized, like I say, and I guess it's one of those things that you're probably not going to know um, unless you try it as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, for me, I'm I'm currently um, on one brand of NDT medication and I'm looking at possibly changing to another for various reasons. And um, similar to you, I'm, a, I'm just a bit apprehensive because I feel quite well on the one that I'm on. But I do wonder if things could be even better. Is, there, is it worth trying something else and seeing if that happens? But then I also don't want to you know, take steps back in my health. So I think as, as thyroid patients, um, we have a lot to consider. And there's so much information out there that it can be quite overwhelming at times as well. Yeah, maybe we shouldn't poke the thyroid bear, you know, and leave it alone. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> Possibly. When you say... Um, you feel great versus not feeling great, or when people tell you that, what does that mean? What What are some examples? So, so let's say someone is transitioning, or they're choosing, or they're new to this. Um, what is you know feeling good is feeling good. Nothing seems to be wrong with you. What does feeling bad mean in the uh, thyroid world? 
Um, really just an increase in symptoms or symptoms that aren't going away, you know, they're getting worse. Um, so things like that, fatigue, um, brain fog, I should have mentioned that earlier, actually, that's a, that's a really big, um, symptom that can be really sort of affecting our life in terms of your work life and personal life. Um, yeah, I think generally if you just feel quite unwell, a lot of people compare hypothyroidism um, to like having the flu. They're very similar symptoms. And I know that if I have a, a flare up day um, where I might, you know, I have done too much the day before and really overexerted myself. Or I've been under a lot of stress recently. Or if I just catch a virus or a cold like anyone else, my body seems to take it that little bit harder. And so that can put me through a, a day or two where I suddenly feel really hypothyroid whilst my body is you know, coping with that additional stress that other people's bodies and their thyroids would be able to cope with much easier. It's just that a bit harder on me. And in those times, um, I see, you know, increased fatigue, brain fog, um, muscle aches and pains or a heaviness to my body. I just feel um, weighed down in a sense and slowed down as if I'm going in slow motion. Um, and yeah, talking to other thyroid patients, that seems to be the common the common thing um, as if you've got the flu. Um, feeling worse in a flare-up of symptoms whether your medication is doesn't seem to be working or you might need a dosage increase or a change to another medication um, it tends to be represented in more symptoms um, worse symptoms or sort of feeling as if you're going backwards in your health so feeling okay for a bit and then suddenly feeling worse and yeah anything like that I think constitutes as feeling bad um, or needing to go back to your doctor um, and having a chat about your current treatment plan. Um, it's, it's a condition that that can be well managed if you get if you get that treatment right and manage to to tweak it to what you need. But um, unfortunately, a lot of people out there are unnecessarily suffering um, and feeling really unwell with this condition um, because I guess I guess a, a lot of people just don't really understand the condition or what it means or what's going on inside their bodies. So yeah, if we can if we can empower ourselves and make ourselves more aware. Um, then that that means that we can be an active participant in our own healthcare and understand what it means to have good and bad health days and how to limit those bad days down so that most of the time we we feel good. But what are some natural things you can do? I mean, like one thing is uh, should you keep a food log? And have you ever have you known anyone to do that? And does that correlate with how they feel when they've had thyroid a history of thyroid issues? Uh, are there other things that people can do? Exercise or modulate sleep or you know, what are some of the non-medication or medication-assisted ways you can uh, help yourself? Yeah, I think um, I I often talk about uh, getting your health back on track with hypothyroidism and Hashimoto's as piecing together a big thyroid jigsaw puzzle. Um, so it, it often requires quite a holistic approach. I mean, again, you have to add that disclaimer that some people take uh, T4 thyroid medication and feel absolutely fine and they don't seem to need to do anything else. And you know, their life isn't that, isn't much affected and they just they go on through life through feeling quite well. Um, but for some of us, um, we can get to a certain point with medication correcting things. And then there's, there's some other things, some other interventions or changes that we can make that get us that a little bit closer back to, um, you know, full health or living a really good quality of life and instead of just living an OK quality of life. So things like looking at your diet can help. I know for me personally, I've been gluten free now for a few years and that made um, a big difference to brain fog, energy levels. Um, my uh, cystic acne cleared up um, my periods regulated again. It's, it's crazy how um, 
certain foods or inflammation in the body which is what gluten was causing for me or you know poor gut health you touched on the microbiome earlier um it's crazy how much those things are all interlinked and how they can affect one another so yeah I mean dialing in on what you're eating and paying attention to whether certain things could be making your symptoms worse um as opposed to you know there's certain foods or things that make you feel better I know for me in terms of exercise doing things like cardio trying to run work out doing dance classes that was making my health worse I could feel straight after a session if I even made it through a session um that I just felt worse for it but instead of supplementing that for going for walks you know starting at going for a walk for 10 minutes a day and slowly building that up to half an hour 45 minutes and now I can go out and walk for a good hour or two um that a lot that alone has improved my health a lot it makes me feel fitter and um just generally more healthy like I'm living a more fulfilling life so by just making that simple adjustment to you know adjusting my exercise so that it was working for my body and with my health instead of making it worse that was a really big step um people looking at whether um, the most offending foods such as gluten dairy soy you know other grains um, whether those things are making their health worse and whether trialing removing those things from their diet help that can be a really big step um, as well as um, sort of simple things that can be corrected quite easily such as low vitamin levels so it's important to check that your your iron ferritin you know b12 vitamin d all of those things um, are really good if not optimized um, as well because a part of my problem at the beginning of my diagnosis, yes, I had a thyroid condition, but I was also um, anemic in terms of iron and I had borderline deficient vitamin D. So that was certainly not going to be helping things like poor stamina and, and joint pain and fatigue and that sort of thing. So it's important to look at things holistically um, and try and figure out which of these kind of jigsaw pieces apply to us and which ones we could slot back into place um, to form this bigger picture of what we need to do to get ourselves back to back to better health and then also maintain it as well um, but yeah you've got to be willing to put that that commitment in um, to doing a bit of digging and researching um, and like you say it could be something as simple as just honing in on your sleep routine and being a bit more strict about when you're getting yourself off to bed and what you can do to make yourself sleep better um, even you know diet exercise um, supplements and vitamin levels there's a lot that we can do um, and if we can um, em sort of embrace advocating for ourselves and digging into that information and finding out what does and doesn't apply to us then that can go a long way as well as taking thyroid medication. I think it's important not to rely entirely on thyroid medication because for a lot of us that does only get us so far. Well very good so what are some resources for listeners you know I mentioned your book um Sounds like you're very active online. So how can people get in touch or ask questions or join one of the communities you're involved in or read your book? What are uh, some resources for them? Uh, yes. Yeah, so um, like I said earlier, my website is theinvisiblehypothyroidism.com. Um, on there, I add new blogs weekly, and that's um, sort of on my personal experiences, as well as things like book reviews on sort of thyroid health books and books that can be really helpful in getting your, your health sorted with thyroid disease. Um, I also write informative articles based on um, studies and science and research and that sort of thing as well. 
Um, there's my book, Be Your Own Thyroid Advocate, When You're Sick and Tired of Being Sick and Tired. Uh, that was out, that came out about six months ago now. And that compounds a lot of that information in an, an easy to digest and understand format, because I appreciate that a lot of thyroid patients have fatigue and brain fog. So a lot of what I do aims to not overwhelm people, but to give them the information that they need um, to build them a solid basis to then go forward in their own health. Um, you can find me on social media as well. So I'm around on Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, um, Pinterest. I'm active across various places. And I also run a Facebook support group as well. We've got almost 50,000 members on there now. So that's for thyroid patients. Um, we, yeah, it's a lot of people. Um, we obviously can't provide medical advice, but it's it's a great place for people to come and uh, then if, if you need to, if you're having a bad day with it all, um, as well as share resources like books that you found helpful or websites um, and to talk about the sort of things that have helped one, one another. Um, it's It's been important for me in my thyroid journey to build a community of thyroid patients that can help each other out and you know provide a sense of support and help other people realise that they're not alone with thyroid disease um i think that's really important because it, it can be an isolating um condition to live with definitely great well rachel thanks for coming on the podcast i really appreciate you being here uh, thank you very much for having me it's been a great discussion you're listening to the future tech health podcast with richard jacobs until i reached age 40 i never realized the obvious that we all have medical issues where we at least have a family member or close relation that had, has, or will have them in the future. Medicine and biological systems are the final frontier. Until we've conquered death, figured out how life began, cured cancer, and understood our purpose in the universe, there's a heck of a lot to talk about when it comes to our health. Future Tech Health means I'll be covering futuristic topics that are actually already in clinical trials, or even starting to appear on shelves, or by prescription, or available for your own use. We dive deep into stem cells, CRISPR-Cas9, the science of sleep, epigenetics, medical testing, cancer, ketogenic diets, stem cells, aging, regenerative medicine, and more. My goal for you, the listener, is to learn from these podcasts. You may very well learn something that may change the course of your life for the better, steer you towards a new career, or give you insight into addressing a serious medical problem. Remember, however, this podcast and its content is informational in nature only. No medical, tax, legal, financial, or psychological advice is being given. If you enjoyed the podcast, please listen, subscribe, like, and share it with friends. Thank you.